Hi everyone and welcome to the PropTech Ramble. We are back, uh, but with a slight change this time and that we are live and we'll be streaming live for every session moving forward. Um, just to do some housekeep housekeeping, just so you guys are aware, um, this podcast will be live bi-weekly. Uh, so please sign up to all the future ones as well. Um, and we'll be also having special guests join us for uh, the, the future podcasts as well as today. Um, if you have any questions, uh, feel free to, to submit your questions. We know that some people have submitted questions beforehand. Um, all of the future podcasts, you can submit questions ahead of time as well. And you can also submit them live on air and we will get them answered for you. Um, today we have myself, I'm Megs Tasama, I'm your host. You also have my co-host Michael Grant, who's a COO of Metricus. And we also have a special guest today, who is Uva Klatt. He is the VP of Sales for Disruptive Technologies. Um, now, if anyone's a, a hardware enthusiast or has an interest within Internet of Things, which I trust you all do, or uh, connected devices, would have definitely come across disruptive technologies. They're the makers of the world's smallest wireless sensors. So very slick, very sexy. Um, that's also the team at DT, but they're hardware as well. Um, so thank you so much for being here, Uva. Welcome. How are you? Thank you. I'm very well, Max. Thanks very much. Yeah, quite excited to be a part of this first live session with a PropTech Ramble. So great. Yeah, and no, thank you so much for, for joining us. We're incredibly excited to have you. Um, just so everybody knows today's topic. Um, so we'll be covering a range of different topics for future podcasts as well. Today is focused around sustainability, uh, which is, I guess, high on the agenda within our industry. We'll also be covering um, topics around the smart building and how connected devices can help um, ESG initiatives. So I can kickstart the, the session with the first question. So uh, the first one is, is sustainability a buzzword within our industry? Definitely not. Uh, I think I think what's what's going on uh, doesn't just span, you know, the, the built environment or, or, or properties. It spans everyone. Uh, it spans my my children, uh, you know, speaking to uh, the younger generation uh, speaking to customers as well. I think it's all driven, obviously, by by large politics as well. We we got the Paris Climate Accord. We got uh, governments around the world putting that into legislation. We got the UK's ten point plan uh, for for the green industrial revolution going on. So all of that is is driving people's agendas. Um, I see personally in in job interviews people people ask me is your is your business is dt sustainable so no it's it's not a buzzword uh, i can also see from a from a prop tech and uh, you know property perspective i see that investors uh, uh, start looking at this i see that investors try to try to green up their their portfolios try to put tech in uh, as well to to make that happen so um very much no it's not a buzzword uh no it's uh, it's driving um you know uh, any single conversation i have pretty much yeah and it's it i think a few years ago it it, it probably was and there they know there's a there's a term called greenwashing which is you talk about sustainability but you don't actually do it but you know the world the world is changing you know people awareness is growing about sustainability investors are changing as you mentioned duve uh you know data and analytics are evolving and people need to produce data, you know, that, you know, the world, uh, 
United Nations has their 17, you know, sustainable development goals. They're, they're, this is this is not a buzzword. It's not going away. Like you, we're seeing a lot of people come to us and the first port of call is actually how do you help us with sustainability or, or ESG? I also see, Michael, how, uh, you know, how conversations change. You may have had a, a running customer conversation already about something completely different, you know, talking in retail about maybe maybe their their uh, cold storage and then the conversation changes and and looks at the whole property and energy spend and uh, you know all of a sudden we're in the middle of a sustainability conversation so no it's very much top of mind yeah we we we've gone from before the pandemic talking about you know occupancy and capacity and indoor air quality we spoke to one of the world's largest property owners uh, about a month ago probably yeah, probably six weeks ago now And the conversation was only talk to me about indoor air quality and ESG. That's it. We know you do other things, but at the moment, that's all we want to talk about. So it, it is, it's not going away and actually it's getting bigger and bigger. So you, we, we've mentioned ESG a few times already um, and it's such a big topic. Uh, a lot of uh, companies and individuals who want to get involved can feel that it's slightly overwhelming. Um, so the question is essentially, what would be your advice for companies that are looking to get into ESG and what would be their first port of call? You've got to pick where you start. So, you know, environmental, social governance, the, the large uh, real estate owner we were talking to, theirs was all about indoor air quality and theirs was ensuring that all of the tenants in their buildings know that they're coming into a healthy building. So... You can't, you know, it's you can't try and boil the ocean. It's, it's uh, you know, saying I use a lot, but but choosing one part and starting with that, whether it's environmental or the social piece, uh, you've got to start somewhere. Don't try and do the whole thing at once, but it's it depends on the priorities of your business. A lot of people, I think, post pandemic, it will be about the people. So whether it's about your internal teams or whether you're a landlord and, and you're trying to attract new tenants to a building or reassure your current tenants that you have a healthy and safe building, it, it's it's picking a place and choosing a starting point and then again, going on a journey, you know, it's, it's not an overnight thing. You can't, you can't just have ESG overnight. So you've got to, you've got to pick the most important place to start for yourself, I think. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that, Michael. And, and to your point, you know, um, finding, finding where to start. I think what's, What's interesting about ESG is it's it's not so much a you know it's it's not at the start a KPI driven discussion right it's a softer yeah. discussion be be a sustainable business uh, do you value your employees so I think you got to go and make it yours uh, and we at DT have looked at this as well and it's interesting you mentioned the UN's uh, uh, sustainable development goals we we have taken those actually and looked into into each one and see what does it mean to the company? Obviously, some of them are more from a, from a global perspective, but some are very applicable. So we've, we've uh, picked like, you know, good health and, and well-being yeah. is something that is applicable to, to us both, you know, uh, the way we work internally, but then also the way we sell our products. So it has multiple dimensions and it helps us, you know, uh, uh, get our sales message across as well, right? Uh, responsible consumption uh, that that really drives the way we we manufacture we try and avoid waste, uh, waste all over uh, including our own products so yeah. the the sustainability goals the un's goals are really helpful in this discussion so technology is definitely helping but what we tend to find <clears throat> in one of the questions here as well is um, there are 
concerns around uh, technology uh, being adopted and then it becomes obsolete. Uh, so it's one of one of one of the barriers that that we have to co come across as well. And um, the the question here is, are they right to be concerned? I'm sure we all know. Um, and what can be done to mitigate these concerns? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Okay, that's one, one, no, mate. One for you to start with, given your, your, <laughs> you work for a manufacturer of hardware. We're, we're a software company, so you should probably start this one off, mate. You, you could see me itching answering that one, right? So yeah, no. <laughs> Absolutely. No, 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 I think, I mean, for, first of all, we're, we're under no illusion that, uh, you know, tech is a very fast moving area, right? Uh, so that includes our sensors. We, we're, we're, we think we're cutting edge, but, but uh, we're under no illusion that, you know, five years from now, something completely different will be around from us as well, but from others too. Uh, so there, there's this factor that, you know, I think you can't approach this by saying, hey, we'll, we'll wait for for tech that lasts forever, because there won't be tech that uh, that lasts forever. I think it's a point of there's a point to be made about getting started, about getting started. We were talking about sustainability earlier. Um, you, you can't wait forever. You you have to start uh, uh, gathering data that can help inform you uh, about how sustainable your business is, how sustainable your your properties are, and then it's really a case of of using what's there today and complementing that. And to us as an industry, obviously, that means we also work, need to work together with, uh, with other tech, other vendors coming in from left and right and make this one, right? So, but uh, you, you can't wait around, I think. No, it, you, you can't. And tech that's redundant. So it's an interesting one because on a podcast I, I, I was on recently, someone asked me the same thing about tech and it was people put tech in for tech's sake. Now, personally, I've got my own views and this is just my own opinion about smart buildings is stuff that helps you open and close the curtains. That 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 is tech that you may not be using and may not see any value from after a month or two or three months because is it is it is it actually helping with driving down costs or driving operational efficiencies like the DT sensors do, like lots of other sensors do in the market? Again, it's it's like the ESG sustainability part. Where do you start? Start with where you have operating costs that you would like to reduce, whether that's you know the, the smart cleaning, whether it's cold storage, whether it's occupancy and capacity, whether it's energy monitoring. Starting at that point, you will then drive value and ROI out of the tech. And, and actually, that won't go away. The more operational efficiencies you make, the more data you have from the sensors, the more value it drives. So it's not a fad. You know, it's not, it's, it's not like a remote control car at home where you get it, you drive it for a few weeks, and then you get bored and you want the helicopter and then you want something else. It's the right tech will, will last. And as Uwe said, you, you might have a, a sensor in now that helps you do occupancy monitoring. And in two or three years, there will be a completely different sensor that will be smaller, you know, more adaptive. You can move it around. So, but you've, you, yeah, you've got to start somewhere. Pick the right kit. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's absolutely, you know, to, to that point, Michael, as well, uh, I think one, one thing that we have seen over, certainly over the last couple of years, you know, the perception of tech has changed as well from this, let's go and try some, as, as you alluded to, right? Uh, let's, let's just put, make this building smart. Put, put some sensors in and, and start looking. I think that is uh, to a degree going away. Uh, and, and people now, we, we like to call this hyper-focused in terms of our sensor applications as well. People look for very concrete uh, answers. You know, what's, yeah. how can I optimize my energy spend in this building? 
you know yeah. and how do i how do i go about it where, where do i need to measure it's the dialogue now as opposed to let's put some sensors in and and uh, yeah. find out something uh, so i really agree with that yeah, yeah. I, do, I do think, um, you know, a, a, a few years ago, it was definitely a matter of putting sensors in and it was a, a checklist that they had to kind of essentially go through. But right now it's how is it ROI driven, um, as you've just mentioned. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely agree. Get get the right sensors in place. Um, and and, and, and uh, these sensors are um, future proof as well. Um, and they're constantly innovating like DTR are constantly innovating as well within their own own, own sensors. So. Uh, choose the right partner. Um, so the, the the next one that we have here is: um, Have you seen a demand for sensor technology as a result? Um, oh, sorry, uh, sorry. Let me say that again. Have you seen a demand for smart uh, technology change as a result of the pandemic? Yes. No. <laughs> in, in short, yeah. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, probably like DT, but prior to COVID, everyone was flush with cash. Everyone was in the office. Projects were all going. People were happy. Now. You know, people we'd spoken to six, nine months ago now contacting us saying, right, we need a back to the office solution. Can you talk to us about Metricus and how you can help us with understanding what's going on in our building? You know, COVID back to work, we're already doing that for a large US investment bank, but people now really need to start to get the data out of their buildings. You know, whether it's understanding the space, understanding cost efficiency, you know, or, or seeing how many people are in a space, I should say, uh, and the indoor air quality piece, it, it's accelerated hugely for us. You know, it, it was a nice to have beforehand, and now it's now it's gone to a must have. And if you don't have it, why not? You know, it, it, that, that's kind of what's happened for us. Mm. Yeah, uh, definitely. To 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 your point there, uh, Michael, from from nice to have to necessity, we've 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 uh, countless examples of that. It's a uh, you know, it is a lot of the time it during the lockdown, it was about protecting your assets because essentially, you know, essentially people could not be there. So how do you make sure that your property is okay? Uh, yeah. How do you make sure that maybe, you know, uh, maybe you're a restaurant chain and have uh, uh, goods in the freezers? What do you do? Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, you, you can't go out there. So you need to put some degree of monitoring in place to facilitate that. And while we had all these, you know, uh, the technology was around previously, right? Uh, but you did have people. So if all failed, you know, you could send people and, and uh, just yeah. uh, do a three times a day inspection. But that yeah. wasn't possible. So now people really started to care about what's there uh, in terms of tech and, and put that in much, much more quickly. So we've yeah. seen our largest to date sensor deployments uh, in the course of the pandemic. So it's been... I'm, I'm, I'm not proud to say that in a way, but it's, it's, it's been a driver to, to, to the business. And uh, on, the, on the flip side, it really shows how we were able to, to help as well in this situation. So I think it's, it's definitely yeah. uh, uh, changed things. I, I think that's a key one because we've, we've had the same thing is that it's a very good point, Uwe. You could just send someone, just send someone there and go and take a reading or go and look at the site or do something. A lot of people have realized that when there's no one in the building, they have no access to data. So, but th there's an interesting stat. Uh, I, I think it's from uh, National Grid or, so or someone that was in the Telegraph or something the other week. Although there's hardly anyone in the offices, energy usage has only dropped by 10% in London in, in the commercial real estate space. So that means they're still using 90% of the, 
of the energy. Yes. Now, some of that is required to run the HVAC and the heating and cooling systems, and you need to test for Legionella, and you need to do these types of things. With more data and more connectivity, surely there is more electricity reduction that can be done, right? You, 90%. It, I mean, the building behind me, uh, although I've got a bit of a background, I think, but the building behind me, those lights are on all day, every day. That's a brand new building. They, they don't need to be on every day. You know, having data when you can't get to site is is vital. Now, it was, like you say, beforehand, you could just send someone to site. Now, you have to have data. And if you have no data, you're blind. And I think the, the, the you know, the water treatment example there, the, that's, that's yeah. another area that was really highlighted through COVID. You know, yeah. with uh, no people in the building, water gets, you know, remains stagnant, doesn't get moved, uh, Legionella risk uh, appears. Yes. So again, previously, maybe it was about operational efficiencies and, you know, the, the, our innovative partners, uh, you know, uh, um, w w would then have put uh, systems in place to, to monitor the usage of your water systems uh, and sort of drive down labor spend. But now it's, it's all about really, this is about, you know, uh, health and, and safety. So it's a necessity, right? And that's changed. Um, it also, just just to bring it back to the previous question in terms of um, sensor technology becoming uh, obsolete, I think this does answer that as well in the sense of um, if you are partnered with with the right company, um, they can also repurpose their their technology, like 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 Michael said, or for us in particular, rather than understanding space utilization as in you know is. It, are we underutilized? It's more around, well, are we being safe for the space? Uh, are we adhering to the social guidelines as, as social uh, distancing guidelines as well? So it's about choosing that partner that can also help you through through these uh, through these tough times. Um, the, the next question is uh, for you, Uwe, in particular. So it's uh, it's around, so DT, I've mentioned you guys are, you know, the, the makers behind the world's smallest wireless sensor. You've also just released the industrial uh, temperature sensor, which is fantastic. Uh, what we wanted to know was what's next? Uh, what, what's next? Anything exciting that you kind of wanted to share with our viewers and listeners? Oh, we, mm, well, uh, thanks for that question. Yeah, that's 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 great. Uh, no, so uh, as you said, Max, I mean, we we make the, the smallest wireless sensors and uh, we're going to keep doing that, you know, so whereas today, you know, we, we do things like temperature, humidity, uh, there are water detectors, you can expect there will be more sensor types uh, around in a year's time uh, or before summer, really. Uh, so we look into things that will fit in this in this form factor, right? Uh, so it needs to remain small. Uh, and uh, that sort of limits the number of things you can do on, on the one side. So vibration uh, certainly is one area that we will look into. We've had lots and lots of requests. Also goes back to the discussion we had previously around what can be monitored around properties. Is my, you know, um, is my air handling unit performing well? Does it approach maintenance uh, or will it need maintenance soon? Um, will it break down? Uh, what about my pumps? Uh, tilt sensing is another area we look into, and then very much driven by, you know, our previous point of sustainability. What we are evalu uh, evaluating at the minute is also CT type current uh, and, and power sensing, right? Uh, so all of these things uh, sort of lend themselves well to the way we design sensors. But then to our previous point as well, uh, you know, investing in tech today, what does that mean uh, uh, regarding tech that's coming in? We also want to be inclusive. So we're, we're looking at options for 
other sensor vendors to to use our you know technology that enables this superior lifetime you know our sensors last 15 years uh to make that available to other sensor vendors could be could be another avenue that we'd like to explore i think we're, we're definitely looking forward to to that for sure so the next one's actually a very interesting question um it's what are the most common false positives from iot sensors if any and how would you go about mitigating them well it's it's an interesting one some some sensors are just not accurate so that doesn't help uh, but the ones that are, <laughs> the, the ones, don't buy them <laughs> yeah. the, the, one, the ones that are you if you wrap rules around your your sensors so but by that i mean if, if you've got a vibration sensor on a fan coil unit, so we use an example, Uwe talked about, you know, fan coil units and some of the things that might come out of DT is if you've got a fan coil unit and it vibrates a little bit out of its, you know, hurt range for a few seconds, you don't want an alert for that. And you don't want someone, you don't want to send someone to go and have a look because by the time they get there, there's no issue. But vibrating at a certain hertz for more than a minute or two minutes, whatever you need to set as your time threshold for it, then you send somebody there. So that's how you can reduce false positives. You need you need a set of rules and you need a set of parameters so that you don't send people to address something that it was just a blip rather than a, a real fault or a real issue. So that's important. That's probably one of the best ways to remove false positives, I think, that have, if you can set boundaries and parameters, in, whether it's time-based or near field presence based and things like that, you know, whether it's a PIR, whether it's an occupancy sensor, whether it's a vibration sensor, you know, whether it's a, a, a door open, close sensor about timing, how long the doors open, false positives can be easily removed if you've got the right and, and, and accurate sensors and the right platform behind it. I think it really, Michael, to, to, to that point, it, it, it really demonstrates how, how uh, sensor technology, um, IoT, if you will, uh, and then analytics, or, or AI as well are yes. growing together because yeah. uh, you know uh, why do, why do we partner with Metricus because we we realize I mean we're we're great at delivering accurate data yes. but but uh, the data itself needs to be analyzed uh, and uh, needs to become actionable uh, and really mean something and that is where where Metricus uh, comes in with analytics and that needs to be accurate as well. Uh, yes. And you know, false positives in that sense um, get on the analytics level, right? So yeah. that's that's uh, that's why we have this partnership. Um, we actually have a question that has been uh, submitted. Um, so it essentially goes: so um, this person's biggest, so Robert Simpson, biggest concern with sensors and IoT in general is all of the different walled gardens of hardware and software. I've resisted moving to IoT solutions because I do not want to buy into a walled garden like. World Garden, sorry, like Amazon Prime, oh, sorry, Amazon Home, and things going obsolete and unsupported makes me concerned as well. Um, so, how? Serious question, but how would you go about uh, <laughs> dealing with uh, hardware and software that can lead to, I guess, vendor lock-in or um, World Gardens? Yeah, I was just talking about vendor lock-in on a meeting prior to this one, literally five, ten, fifteen minutes before this one. Meg, you were on the same call. Uh, an open platform. You know, gone are the days where you used to have your, you know, the hardware and the software. So, so BMS is a prime example of this. Whether it was Siemens, Schneider, Trend, the BMS, you know, it was a dark art, and you're all locked in. People don't want that anymore. And 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 Robert, you know, you're you're 100 right. You don't want to be locked in. So, looking at a partner, whether it's Metricus or someone else, 
an open API where you can take DT data, where you can take density data, you know, VergeSense, PointGrab, whoever's it is, you can take all of that data and put it into another platform. We have customers that, that don't use the Metricus front end for everything. Uh, an example is a company that uses us for energy. They take a straight API feed out and they put it into another platform. So I agree with you. You shouldn't be locked in. There shouldn't be vendor lock in. It, you, it should all be open API and you should be able to use it whichever way you need it, whether it's in a, a native platform, whether it's in a third party platform, or you just want to extract it as a CSV to put it into your own database and give it to your own you know, data scientists. It's, we're moving away from that. And, and interestingly, the prop tech and IoT industry is less mature than a lot of other industries. You know, Uwe and I have known each other for many years. We were in the video industry many, many years ago. That, that went from proprietary to standardized and open because everyone worked out they'd make more money together by opening everything up than keeping it closed. So it, it's already happening. You know, mobile phones were the same, BMS were the same, Schneider and, and, and Honeywell. Honeywell is a great example of being open now. They, they, they happily connect any sensors, uh, into their building management system, whether it's a DT sensor, whether it's another, you can put that in as a native backnet object. Uh, so, yeah, it's you, you're probably right a few years ago, but there are also still some hardware and software vendors that uh, will will try and lock you in, but just avoid that and look at partners like DT or, or or the others that are open to send the data to any platform. So, you know, my my point here would be uh, fully agree with uh, what you say there, uh, Michael. Uh, so openness is key. Uh, open APIs are the, the vehicle. Actually, the one of the reasons why we're called disruptive technologies, you know, uh, people have been asking us why, why that name. Uh, you know, we're disrupting the IoT market. And one of the big barriers was the fact that, that many sensor solutions sort of had this closed environment you couldn't really open up so from the outset we said you know our data needs to be really easy to get to really easy and uh, so you know in our case it's just you know plugging that cloud connector in and you get your data via open apis right yeah. so it's that has to be really at the center of everything you you choose as well really agree with that uh, uh, what what robert asked there as well Really good question. Um, something that, that that comes up, like Michael just said, it was a topic that just came up in our call earlier today as well. Um, we do have a couple more questions uh, that have been put forward. Uh, so this one is, uh, what are the biggest hurdles that prop tech faces as an industry? And additionally, how have priorities of, uh, of what companies want have changed over the last 12 to 18 months? Um, so yeah, first question, what are the biggest hurdles in, in, in the prop tech industry? Uh, I, I think it is, let, let's go back to APIs that we're just talking about. <laughs> APIs, this is one of my favorite sayings, APIs are like toothbrushes. Everyone has their own, but nobody wants to use anyone else's. So, and, and APIs are the same. There are companies like Disruptive. Uh, there's another company coming out of uh, Sweden that are looking to make a gateway, whether it's for LoRa sensors or others, to, to aggregate multiple sensors from multiple companies uh, in into one gateway because we, we have some customers with seven different sensor companies providing a solution. We provide the single pane of glass, but when you have to have multiple gateways for multiple sensors, it can start to get a bit, bit, bit wildly, a bit out of control, or, or there's just lots of kit to be required. So I think one of the things is everyone starting to play together, funneling, whether it's one LoRa gateway, 
or one Wi-Fi gateway or, or a Bluetooth gateway or, or you know, Sigfox or whatever it might be, everyone coming through one gateway and funneling through a single API because multiple APIs for customers can sometimes be a pain, especially if they want to take the data directly. So I think it's, I think it's people starting to play together nicely and, and not worrying about using someone else's API because they're not actually like toothbrushes. So. Yeah, uh, it, yeah, it is um, exactly, exactly. Uh, but, um, you know, in, in, in my view, in addition to what you mentioned, uh, Michael, uh, in my view, the biggest hurdle to, to PropTech, uh, the sort of the name uh, gives us a clue already, PropTech, it's, it's so unfocused, right? It's yeah. uh, back, to the, back to the point that, that we made initially about people just putting sensors somewhere because it needs to be a smart building. That to me is prop tech. So I, I really don't, I really, you know, the, I think the, the term is even uh, um, implying that, but what, what's happening today and what, what uh, will help um, uh, prop tech along is one is focus. So really, what are you trying to achieve? Back to that point, is it, is it energy efficiency? What exactly are you trying to achieve? Is it, is it um, a better, uh, uh, you know, uh, is it better service operations or is it uh, limiting breakdown costs for some of your components? So focus uh, is one. So I think it's, it's lack, of, uh, lack of focus that's, that's been in the way for, for, for the rollout of PropTech and not really looking at a broad range of sensors, but specific applications in a, in a way also commoditizing sensor technology and analytics as well was a very specific uh, you know, question to be to be solved. That's one, and the other one to me is related, and that's responsibility, right? Uh, so, who's taking responsibility for driving energy efficiency into the buildings? So, who's that precisely, right? Is it is it maybe the occupier who's uh, who's stepping up and saying, "Well, we're going to do this initiative now, and uh, we're going to drive down our energy cost," or is it a service provider uh, offering that as a service? Or is it even maybe the, the landlord or the, the investor looking after these things, which is a recent trend where, where you know, investors are, are taking more responsibility as well. So I think it's these things as well, which are, which are more into the modeling of the, of the business around it uh, that have been in the way. Yeah, I definitely agree on the focus part. So yeah, for sure. Um, there is actually the, the follow-up question on the back of that, which was uh, additionally, how have priorities of what companies want uh, to see have changed over the last 12 to 18 months? So have you guys seen a, a shift um, from in terms of priorities? Uh, we, we have, but again, it depends on who you're talking to. So we were talking with a large US investment bank prior to, to lockdown. Uh, about smart buildings, uh, and we were going to start in a different place with them. It, it was about energy monitoring and sustainability. Then during lockdown, it became a COVID back to work campaign. So that was ensuring that there weren't too many people in their reception area on, on each floor. Uh, and we put, you know, we put alerts in and rules in that people got messages if, if they got close or, or then when they breached. Uh, a lot of smart cleaning has come up all of a sudden. You know, we were talking about it beforehand, but a lot of that has come up. Uh, and then obviously the, the indoor air quality because of COVID, uh, everyone's become an indoor air quality expert. And, you know, uh, Francesca, the, the CEO of Air Rated often says, you know, 
you, you, you took a glass of water and it was full of dirt, you wouldn't drink it. But the air you breathe, you, you didn't think about it prior to COVID. But now everyone knows that COVID floats on the back of dust. So is the air quality, you know, is that good? So things have definitely changed. Things have accelerated. But, you know, for us, it's, it's the COVID back to work piece and the smart cleaning and a few other bits and pieces that have accelerated and, and changed. I think COVID definitely has been a driver. And then to me, looking looking at the, the, the last couple of years or a year and a half, uh, energy, uh, energy, you know, energy spend reduction uh, is definitely higher up on, uh, you know, as, as a topic in, in my discussions. That's probably driven by the things we discussed initially around sustainability too. Yeah. Megs, I think we've got a few more questions in. I think we me- do have a few more questions. Yeah. So, um, it's so the, the the question from from Nika is um, thoughts on the business model. So capex buy depreciates or opex rent get tech refresh innovate with different sensors new business model over time. So um, what's your thoughts? What would be um, the, the ideal way to 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 go forward? It, it it depends on the customer, I think, as well. So I agree. Some customers, we, we have some public sector customers who, who have to do everything CapEx. They can't do an OPEX model, so you, you buy everything up front. Metricus, we offer CapEx or OPEX. It depends on what you want to do and, and how you want to spread the costs. Uh, you can wrap this disruptive kit up with our data services and just pay it monthly. The tech refresh bit is, is an interesting one. Some companies are now offering tech refresh if you do rent. Some don't. So So renting it forever may end up costing you more but if you don't get a tech refresh is there any real value in doing that but if you just want to spread the cost as an opex cost over three to five years then 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 that does make sense as well i i, I think that it, it's flexibility on the, the the hardware manufacturer and 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 also depends on the customer and what they can what their procurement and finances allow them to do metricus is obviously monthly you know software as a service but it, it depends on on the hardware partner uh, i think yeah we've yeah so similar here michael uh we've, i think we've learned we've learned over the years that we need to offer more in terms of capex models uh initially we set out and thought everything was going to be opex and everyone yes. would want that but uh, that's not what happens in <laughs> reality a bit of, bit of learning here <laughs> um, we also have uh, a couple more questions. Um, so uh, agree on the gateway and APIs, so fantastic. Um, what about the data and info security side of things, yeah. especially when people are starting to interact with, with uh, PropTech across the built environment? Um, yeah, where, where would you want to start, Michael? I can start, but, I, but you know, it's one of the reasons we work with DT. We, we've worked with them for five years now. Data is encrypted and in transit and and at rest, and that's hugely important, especially when you're talking about you know we've got DT uh, sensors in some data centers. You don't want to be able to spoof data in a data center and say it's 21 degrees when actually it's 35 and kit starts to fail. So security is paramount. Uh, working with partners that can prove to you that they've got you know AES encryption, secure you know, encryption at rest and in transit is is hugely important. And there are lots of sensors out there that do. So so that's probably the most important part. Then if you're talking about platforms, platform, you know, should be pen tested every year and externally third party pen tested. Uh, it, it, it all should, all the data in that platform should also be encrypted and there should only be a few people that have access. You know, having ISO certifications attached to your business around security information, that should also be something you look at as well. 
it's it's not hard these days to have security and 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 everyone just expects it if 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 you're looking at a hardware provider that can't actually give you hard fast facts about how they encrypt their data and how secure it is then then i would think twice about maybe jumping into bed with them or or, or attaching their sensors to your network yeah yeah not not much to add, but you know and end-to-end security is important as yeah. well uh just, just to be just be sure that you know you're not your data is not intercepted anywhere yes. so uh, but really yeah i think you said it all michael awesome um i think that wraps up the questions I'm just going to have a quick look to see if there's any more that we haven't answered no um that seems to be about all of them i've checked all the forums um okay fantastic thank you everyone um there is one thing i wanted just to state before we we drop off um we have an exciting announcement um from uh, metrica's side we are launching a competition uh, so whereby if you sign up and ask a question for the next PropTech Ramble uh, podcast, you are uh, in line to win uh, a, an asset tracking solution. Um, so by all means, sign up, uh, submit a question. The winner will be announced on the next PropTech Ramble, which is uh, scheduled for the 31st of March. And yeah, you have to be in it to win it. So please uh, sign up and we look forward to, to, to seeing you all there. Uh, for now, thank you so much, Uva. Really appreciate your uh, your input today. Really insightful as well as always.